Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real-life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. Today, we have a guest who resides across the pond. Yes, he has an amazing British accent, but that's not all. This man has dedicated his life to health and fitness, and after seeing his Instagram, I can say he's as close to an Adonis as it gets. He takes your average Joes and turns them into superheroes. So men, be prepared to be taken on a journey of true masculinity. And women, well, you're going to have to watch this episode on YouTube because the shirts might be coming off. I am, of course, talking about the inspirational and uplifting force that is Andy Adonis Naylor. Andy, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you, my man. <clears throat> I've got to live up to that now, haven't I, pretty much, yeah? Um, <laughs> absolute pleasure to be here. I couldn't be happier. I'm really looking forward to this, and uh, thank you for that wonderful intro. Well, I appreciate it, man. Andy is the founder and CEO of Nailer Body Design, which is an international online health and fitness company focusing on C-suite, VPs, and business owners, helping them take back control of their health and well-being. Andy is also the host of the Optimal Alpha podcast, and you can find him on Instagram at Andy Naylor Pure Elite Pro. Now, before we get into who you are and the ways in which you've carved your body literally out of stone, I want to ask you this one very important question. How are you doing? I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, actually. Um, to be to be fair. Um, I'm, I'm, well, so right now I'm sitting um, in a in a house that we've just moved into. So I'm, I'm feeling sort of I'm trying to settle into you know living into a new place. Um, so and it's the first time I've moved in 23 years. So I'm oh, wow. doing I'm doing pretty good uh, in 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 a sense that I think if you'd have spoken to me a week ago, um, we'd only just moved in and it was boxes and it was mayhem and uh, it was it was definitely not, not, really, not going to say stressful. There's way more stressful things of moving home, I think, but. Uh, but yeah, it's way more settled now. Everything is cool. Um, I'm, I'm I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing excellent, man. I like we were talking about right before uh, the show. Uh, yesterday was Thanksgiving for us here in America. Sure. And yeah. I ate way too much. Had too much uh, too much turkey. Too much tryptophan in my system. Had a food coma for most of the day. I Over- think you slept well last night, right? Yeah, I, I think I went to bed at 8.30 last night. And if people people that know me, I go to bed early anyways. But 8.30 is definitely a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but I, I was out uh, out cold. Uh, <laughs> 8.30 is like, you know, it's like when you're 10, right? I think you go to bed at 8.30. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly, um, right? Yeah, or, so. or, 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 or an adult after Thanksgiving. Like, I suppose it's maybe exactly the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I didn't take my afternoon nap, so I, I needed to go to bed early. But uh, interestingly enough, you know, Thanksgiving's a lot, like we were talking about, like Christmas dinner, like mm. people overeat. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I had pie, cookies, all that stuff. But the thing that I've learned over this past year is I, I stick to a very regimented diet. I eat very particular things, very particular quantities, Mm -hmm. but something like Thanksgiving, I'm always going to be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy the day. I'm not going to be militant, but at the same time, I went to the gym before I was there for two hours. I worked out really hard. So I burned a lot of calories and all of that. And then yeah, way over eight, but went to bed early, got up early. I ran outside for four miles 
I don't know what that is in kilometers, but four miles. Miles works for us. Don't worry. I'm, I'm miles. Yeah, miles. And but, yeah. But, this is, but this is the thing, right? It's like um, I saw someone post this. It's someone in one of our Facebook groups, and he said, "Well, you know, we 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 pay to play." In other words, yeah. we've got we've gone and done our, our, our gym session. We've got everything done in the morning. We need to set, and now and now we've earned the right to go and indulge a little bit in Thanksgiving. And I think the important thing here is certainly when I've got ready for shows, I've I've gone through family events where I've had to be incredibly strict. But that was there was an absolute deadline sitting in front of me, and, right. and, and we could we could possibly say that in those circumstances, yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, you know, go without something and, and be the one sitting at the table, you know, not having dessert, not doing this. Because it is difficult. Anyone, everyone listening to this would be like, yeah, it's, re- it's really difficult to diet through any of those things and be really strict because those are normally times when families get together around yep. food because food is an incredibly important thing to all of our all of our worlds. Um, but I think if generally if people are trying to go through those days and hold themselves too accountable can cause problems, even within families, right? It can cause issues. Oh, you know, just sit down and have a bit of dessert. You'll be fine. Just those work, just one, it'll be fine. Those yeah. things can can cause arguments, and then all of a sudden you've got a family arguing about a completely arbitrary thing. So I think it's. It, it, I, I like the idea, and certainly with our clients, what we've done is, well, I told you earlier, we were sort of sending out um, survival guides. And the simple part of that is, what do we do in the days before, and what do we do in the days after? Simple. How can we how can we set ourselves up so that you can, within reason, really enjoy that day? but you still get to the end of the week and tick the box of nutrition and say, I still moved forward this week or I held station this week and I got to really enjoy Thanksgiving. It's like a win, 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 but it's just having the strategy in your mind to think ahead and then not just fall into Thanksgiving, stuff your face, yeah. fall out the other side, yeah. five, six, seven pounds heavier, really sluggish, tired, groggy. And then, and then quite often those days can end up being not one day, but two or three or four. And then it's like, a, oh, do you know what? I'm writing this week off. I'll start on Monday. Now we've got, that's where the issues can come in. So I think what you've done is great in terms of you've thought clearly and you've got your training session in, you've got your running afterwards. Um, you know, you've been structured and disciplined in the right areas and then allowed yourself, you know, time with family and to enjoy it. And that, that's, that's balance. I have not, not so keen, I'm not so keen on the word balance, but it's right in, in certain areas. And I think you've done a good job there. Yeah, sure. Oh, no, no, I, I completely agree. And, we're, we're going to get into this. I, I know you're a bodybuilder and, and you're really big on health and fitness and uh, building, building your body to, uh, you know, very, uh, I, I don't even know the right adjective for it. Like what you do, that that's still something that's foreign to me. Like I, I take care of my body, but you, you take it to just another level. Um, but what I want to say is, especially here in a, during the holiday season, is, you know, a lot of people get on the whole January uh, resolution track and they do it for a little bit and then get off of it. And then, mm. you know, people pick it up, especially with like fitness and diet and things like that. But then once it comes to the holidays, it's like everyone's like, ah, just screw it. Like, you know, uh, Halloween, maybe, maybe too much sweets. And then mm. Thanksgiving rolls around and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, Christmas, the havoc of, shopping and this and that and it's you can make small little changes like you had said like what are you doing to prepare for thanksgiving meal like are are you being strict the the days up to it like i was uh also going to the gym that morning there was a, a quite a few people at the gym i was pleasantly surprised and everyone's like excited because it's the holidays but also everyone's excited too because they're taking care of their bodies they're yeah. taking care of themselves and then when you have the meal you don't feel guilty. Like I used to feel so guilty 
if I would overeat because I was like, man, I'm not working out and I'm overeating. And then it's just like this, this spiral. Uh, spiral. Exactly. You start to, I mean, to, to say you start to feel disgusted, I mean, disgusted is a strong word, but you start to feel certainly negative towards yourself. Yeah. And any negative self-talk that goes on in your mind, like you, we should never, ever do that. We should never self-deprecate. Like we should, it should not be a thing that we ever do. I mean, okay, British people, we do it. Like we kind of do it and it's part of our humor for sure. But even yeah. then, it, it, can, it can take on, it can, it can start to manifest itself. It then becomes a, oh, I could never do that. I, I can't do that. Oh, you can stick to a diet plan, but I can never do that. Yeah. Which is a biggest load of rubbish. I can, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So I think, yeah, 100% people have gone out. There's a, there's a buzz to know that you're, it's a, it's a, it's a similar buzz. So the people who've gone out and done Thanksgiving and got their workout in the morning, people who say get up really early would also, it's, it's nearly a badge of honor in a, in a, in a positive manner, which is like, Oh, you know, I'm up at four. I'm not going to say go get up and grind and work, be the hardest working person in the room, but you know, I, I get up and by by five o'clock I'm sat on a on a, a bike listening to podcasts. Interestingly, to get my cardio done, and I know like there's a sense of hmm. I know not everybody's prepared to do this. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone's prepared to get up out of bed at half four in the morning, get themselves. And I'm like, it's not that that gives me a sense of one upmanship. It's not that. Right. It's just a hmm. Well, I am prepared to do this, and I feel good about the fact that I know that that puts me. I'm I'm already a step ahead of most people when I start my day. And again, I don't mean that in a negative sense. It's like, but but if I'm going to try and win my day, I need to win the first hour. I need to, I need, I need to do something in the first hour that's a win. And that, I mean, we might, we might delve into this further, but there's a whole bunch of stuff I do in, you know, in, in, in the sort of first hour. And, and, and a lot of that is get up and start the day right. Yep. Because no one can get to me in the first hour. Once the first hour is gone, you know, we're in work, you know, clients and this and that and the other. And the, the day can take a twist and go wherever it's going to go. But if you get up and get that first hour done, it's it, so again for the people who've gone out and before Thanksgiving, they've they've taken control of actually taken control of the day just by doing some fun stuff at the beginning of the day, right? Which I think is um, which is and again for you know for, for the guys over here in Britain, um, obviously Thanksgiving just sat, it sounds like Christmas Day to us. Like I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty much the same thing about Santa hats and stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's certainly in terms of food, it sounds exactly the same. Um, oh yeah. And again, I wouldn't want to you know I wouldn't certainly with our clients, I wouldn't want to wish any of them a, a a food prison of a Christmas day. So it's like, okay, what, what things can we do and be really smart about it to make sure that we can, we can enjoy it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Now I love what you said about sending your clients a survival guide yeah. because that yeah. s- sort of helps them with the preparation of it, whether they realize that or even, not. Even like, if it just makes them think, Oh, there's yeah. stuff I could do. Oh, I had never really thought I could actually do things in the five days leading up to it. That means, you know, like, it's just like, you know, even as simple as getting calories in credit, like just pull food. If, if someone's tracking their food and they know that they say eat two and a half thousand calories a day, cool. Well, why not eat 2,300 a day for the five days leading up to it? Bank the calories, have them, have them back ready to use. And then the five days afterwards, suddenly you've got maybe 1,500 calories, which obviously you could smash 1,500 calories with just one piece of cake, right? But, right. but at least, but at least it's giving you something that you could then go, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm ahead of the game here. I can have dessert and not even worry about it. And I think, um, not saying that works all of the time, but certainly with these big events, I think it's a smart, smart tactic for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree hundred percent. So I'm going to rewind a little bit here real quick. So today you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, you're a bodybuilder. You've done such incredible things, not only with your body, but your mind, your clients, your businesses, things like that. But obviously you didn't come out of the womb this jacked ripped dude with a nice tan and a, a 
nice, uh, nice beard and everything like that. So like, can, can you, uh, back up like when, when you were growing up, I'm, I'm assuming you were born in, in, in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, so I guess how, just how far, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, um, as far back as, as you want to, cause, uh, you were saying that, uh, that you, when you were a kid, you weren't the, this, I this wasn't anything like I am now. Exactly. So the, 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 there is a bit of a story actually to this, which is, so two things, two things come out, two things stick out, I suppose. I was, I was stick thin, tiny thin. Um, like I, and I suppose I have a, I have a, I have a small frame, essentially. I've just managed to add muscle to the right places, which gives an illusion of size. I'm not, you know, I'm not, well, I, sorry, my view of myself is I'm not particularly big, but that's probably what every person who builds muscle tends to say about themselves. So yeah. I let someone else be the judge of that. But one of the things that stands out is I was deadly shy like the possibly the shyest person you could have met when I was anything from maybe five to goodness, I don't know, even maybe 10 to the point where, so this will sound incredibly British, wait for this. So <laughs> no, clear where, close where to where I lived, there was a place called Sandringham, which is where one of the Queen's, well, God rest her soul, one of the Queen's palaces is, right? It's in it's Sandringham Castle, but there's basically loads of ground around it. Uh, it's a lovely place to go and visit. You can picnic there, do all sorts. It's just a lovely sort of place for families to go on a Sunday, right? So we were there, and it's, it's sort of like you know you'd park up on the grass, and then the car would park next to you, and you'd, you know you'd be playing or whatever. So imagine two cars parked with maybe two cars width in between them. So close, okay. you know, like so we are out the other side of one car. So so if you if you picture like I'm out on the right hand side of a car, and then there's two spaces on the left, and then the car, right? So we're out on the side of, on the out towards one side of the car and we're sort of playing with a ball and having a picnic. And this ball goes over the top of our car and lands in the middle between two cars. There's no one there. There's just a space and then a car and then the other people were the other side. And I was so shy. My attempt to get the ball back was crawl under our car so that nobody could see me. And I could crawl out the other side, try and get the ball caught back. This is the story. I, I, to be fair, I don't remember doing this. I kind of have a picture in my mind, but, but, it, but it does sum up how incredibly shy that i know that i was right um and i have no idea where that went because that is not me anymore um somewhere along the line i think something in me said very much unconsciously if you carry this on through your life you're screwed like and i don't and i don't mean i don't mean that horrible to anyone who's shy but the amount of missed opportunities that would have gone passed in front of me and i'd have been like oh I, I, I don't dare do that. No one else cares if you're shy or not. Like it's only you who's got the problem with that. Like if we have, if you ever meet a shy person, no one's like, no one thinks negatively about that. Normally people would think, oh, it's a real shame you're shy because you must be missing out on loads of cool stuff. You know, you know people won't walk into, I don't know, a restaurant or a pub on their own or wherever because they open the door. What does everyone do? Looks at the door, don't they? And that's really difficult for some people. So that would have been incredibly difficult for me, but somewhere along the line, I, that's, I would not, nothing that I've achieved. I mean, standing on stage in you know a pair of shorts, being having your body judged by six strangers while two and a half people watch. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, now, there was nothing that scared me particularly about that. Although getting on stage is an incredibly scary experience, but the idea of if I think back to that, you know, six or seven year old boy, there was no, I, I can't imagine how possibly that boy turned into someone who would have even dreamt of putting himself in that position. So. There's definitely. I, I, I wish I, I wish I could say to you, "Oh, this is what happened, and this is why I changed." And I don't know what that was. Um, I just suppose I, suppose I wasn't destined to be a, a shy adult, and I'm. But I, 
this just sounds weird, but I kind of remember that boy to a degree and think, I wonder what his life would have looked like if he hadn't have changed. I'd love to, you know, try and find out what that because it would be very different. And I'm not saying it'd be worse; it'd just be very different. Yeah. So for sure, I was not. I was not kind of the. And I'm not saying I'm mm-hmm. overconfident now. Um, I just don't see the benefit of being shy. Like no one wants you to be shy. No one thinks. I don't think people people think about other people in that way. So for sure, I was I was a, a weedy little skinny kid with a, what we would call a basin haircut over here, which is like you imagine someone your mum putting a basin on your head and just cut, cutting around it. So like the worst haircut in the world for oh, a kid. Yeah, we we call it a bowl. Yeah, a bowl haircut. Right. Exactly. Right. So I had one of those um, weedy little kid and incredibly shy. That's where I started. So so yeah, I don't know where the maths of getting to here uh, really sort of comes into play, but that's that's. That's probably as far back as I think is, is probably relevant to go, but for sure, uh, yeah. that's that's how things started. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like how you said um, talked about the the fear that was inside of you, and we're we're all human. We all experience that fear, that anxiety, whether it's change, whether it's unknown, whether like you said, going up on stage. It it's an I'm not going to say impossible, but most people like even in bodybuilding or if you're speaking on stage, things like that, I think they said the number, there's a statistic or something that says like the number one fear people have is not dying. It's public speaking. And the interesting thing is even when I come on these podcasts or I talk about my book or anything like that, I get, I get a little bit of anxiety. I get a little bit of fear, but it's what you do with that. And it seems like I, I was a shy kid as well. And I was a stick as well. I, I can relate a hundred percent. I don't think I ever crawled under a car, but I had, <laughs> I, I had done a lot of things and I carried that pretty far into my adult life too. my shyness, oh, things really? like that. Ask me a year ago that I'd be starting a podcast talking to people across, literally across the world and be able to just not have, you know, very casual conversations with them. I would have said, you're freaking crazy. Like there's no way, but we're, just on, a, be- we're, on, a, we're on a journey, aren't we? Absolutely. You know, all on a journey in one way or another. Well, yeah. wh- whether, you know, the World Cup's going on right now, those guys are going to get nerves, but they've trained their bodies over the years. They've changed the, tra- trained their minds over the years that when that fear comes, whether they have a protocol or a system or they have habits that they do to get them in the right state of mind, like they, us, everybody are going to feel the same types of emotions. Like imagine, yeah, the World Cup as a kid, you, you're, you're, you're from Europe. like soccer or football is a lot bi- bigger out you. there. Yeah. You on that, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's Hey, trust me. I'm, I, I've traveled a little bit. I know, I know, uh, when I'm offending people or not. Um, uh, so soccer, I mean, uh, but the thing is like, imagine going on that world stage. These guys are representing their country. These guys from the minute they could remember anything, it, their foot, their life has been about football. And so they're going to get nerves. We're going to get nerves going on stage, but it's what you do with those nerves. Do you use it to propel you forward or do you use it to hold you back? Well, I think, this, and this is it, right? So, so for some people, and again, you know, if this happens to someone listening, it's not a criticism, but for some people it will be crippling mm-hmm. and, ner- and nerves can be crippling. Certainly when you think about public speaking, I mean, I, I've, I've done a fair bit and I can think of a few where, you know, um, it's it's it can be terrifying and the what's like what's the worst thing that can happen well i mean the worst thing that can happen is you forget what you're going to say and you walk off right yeah but what we're actually concerned about is what other people think of us that's what's happening in that moment 
people are, people are so concerned of people are going to think I don't know what I'm talking about or I'm going to forget what to say or like you're not going to die. No. Like it's, like the, the, it's no. not, it's not, but it's, but it's still such a, it's, I don't know, it's such a scary, but all, you either, you either allow it to, you know, cripple you or you channel it and learn how to channel it. And I think if you, I've heard um, interviews with, you know, high level pop star type people still throw up backstage before they go out and do something like Glastonbury. They're still racked with nerves. And then, so the moment they walk out, they, it's got, and I used, I actually, I used to get this. So, um, I, used to, I was a semi-professional DJ uh, here in the UK, which is quite funny when I'm sitting here with headphones on. It just reminds me of this story. And I used to play in front of, so I used to play up and down the country, in you know, in front of thousands of people, and I would always be anxious before I played. Yep. It's, it's it's nearly more excitement because I just would like, you know, the gigs meant a lot to me. Like you know, you're there an hour before, so you're getting a feel for the place. And like my missus would be like, just chill out, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then the moment I plugged my headphones in and stood there. All of those nerves, everything disappeared, and it was just channeled into doing the thing. Um, and again, I don't know how I learned to do. That. I don't know where it comes from, but I, th- I still think you know. You know, if you if you if you can speak to sort of some of the biggest pop stars on the planet, you know, they they walk out and they are the epitome of confidence and everything that we want from a person who's entertaining us. Yet, if you probably saw them ten minutes before they walked on stage, they're like, yeah, half thrown up, you know, throwing up and a mess. But then. You can't take that out on stage. It's uh, that right. that person is left, you know, backstage side of stage, right? And it's a it's a persona that comes out in front. Um, and so I guess you know, some, sometimes that's really helpful. But yeah, ch- certainly channeling energy, nervous energy into something positive, and allowing you know, allowing the mind and the body to use that. And 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 there are trick, there are there are literally tactics and tricks that we can do, things that we can do to aid our mind and our body sort of physiologically yep. to allow our body. Cause it, it, what starts to happen is, is when we get nervous, anxious, we get physical representations of that sweaty palms, shakiness, jittery voice, breathing changes, like physiological things happen. So those are the things that we need to get a handle on. Cause those are the things that it feels like those are out of control. So just before we're about to stand up and talk to someone on a stage or, you know, a best man at a wedding or any of those kind of things, like they're sitting there literally panicking. So they feel out of control. So all they need to do is take control back, breathing being the top thing that we have oh, to yeah. deal with that. Yep. So take take control back, start to feel the body coming back to us, and then all of a sudden, pff, nerves disappear. Well, to a degree, nerves disappear. But yeah, I, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely um, I think, and I, and I think it possibly for people it changes. You know, as as we go through life, we probably start to care less what other people think of us. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. As as our, our as our social dynamic changes, we 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 start to just you know get to a certain point where as we're trying to find our place in the world, i.e., teenage years, early twenties, what other people think of us is a massive deal. Now I've got to this point in my life. I'm forty three. Not that I don't, I don't to say I don't care what other people think. That's silly. I do, of course, I care. I just it just doesn't bother me if they think I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. that I don't care about. I suppose right because. What's in actual? It's not any of my business what somebody else thinks of me. It's not my business. Right. It should never be my business. No. Right. So therefore, then that that frees you. That's then that's like that's like a shackle, a chain coming off. Once once someone gets to that point in their life, it's like oh, oh you know, if, if I if I if I make a mess of this, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like no one's you know, if someone thinks bad of me because of that, then that's on them, not me. So but, just a different shift of a mindset, I suppose, right? The, the thing I like to think of when you say something like that is, let's say you're a painter, right? So you're painting this this beautiful portrait of whatever. And painters, they're painting what they're feeling, what they want to express. 
and they could do it with landscape. They could do it with people. They could do it with abstract art, all of it. And everybody that looks at that painting, imagine that it's hung up at the, I, I don't, I'm not very cultured when it comes to this. The Louvre, is that, is that a big thing in, in France or something, right? The Louvre in France. And I'm sure they have paintings there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This shows how uh, cultured I am when it comes to uh, paintings and that I'm using a great metaphor here, by the way, I totally know everything about painting, but I do know that let's just say, yeah, it's hung up in this nice museum gallery, whatever. Everyone that walks by and looks at that painting is going to get something different from it, sure. have a different yeah. opinion about it. And it has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the painter or what they painted. They yep. did something, they expressed themselves, they gave a part of themselves to the world and the world is going to take it and do whatever they want to do with it. But everybody that looks at it has their own perspective, their own point of view. And that comes from their own story, their own life. And that ha has zero reflection. Yes, there could be good and bad art, depending on what your standards and all of that are. But like you said, people's opinions of you, that's just their opinion. And yes, it does matter because you want to present yourself in a way that's going to make a, a, an impact on somebody else. But at the same time, that can't define who you are because only you can define who you are. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, yeah, what you said is really important. Yes, it's important, but it's not that important because at the end of the day, it's just you, yourself, and your maker. Yeah. And I think the analogy of the painting is actually it's a really, really good one because, the, you know, we can sit there and look at something exactly the same. You would, you would take something different away from it. So would I. And neither of them are anything to do with what the painter was thinking when they were painting it, because like, none of us could ever know. True. So, so it's a really, it's a really good analogy. And again, yeah, if that, you know, if it helps people free up their minds and be like, oh, well, you know, I just I'm just going to continue on my path. Like I'm just I'm going in that direction. I'm going that direction no matter what. And then you know people's opinions and thoughts and you know whether they like what. You know, imagine I mean again, think, um, the the more the more known you become in whatever the field you work in, the more people the more negative stuff you will see. Right. So we could all think of a film star who is probably really good at what they do. I imagine on their social channels they might put out a movie and they might get ten percent of people rip. To shreds what they've done like the more the, the bigger someone gets the more the more the more notoriety they get the more negativity is going to come towards them so how do you think they handle that like because that's an artistic thing that they're doing so they've got to learn okay well x amount of people tell me it's great but what do what do we tend to do like let's say i go through, again i go through the day and everything goes well but one thing goes bad Right. What's the thing that I think about at the end of the day? The one thing that goes bad. The one thing. Like, yep. Like, like that's and so we have to again train our mind to think. Well, there's only one thing. Like twenty-two things went really well today. How about I just think about that? But it's a it, 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 it's a it's a human trait to think you know, on the negative thing. So again, you think of like I don't know. Think of Tom Cruise, right? Like possibly one of the best actors on the planet. I bet he gets ripped to shreds on his social media all the time. But but but, but he must look at it and be like, well, just what they think of me. Like that's not what I was thinking when I was playing that role. So it doesn't really matter. Which is a lovely way of thinking about it because it's it is very freeing. Um, and I think when people are trying to pursue their greatness, their path, their journey, whatever that might be, removing as many obstacles as possible is the smart thing to do um, because there's going to be a shed load of obstacles no matter what. Right. So we, what the first thing, the first ones we want to get out of our way are the ones in our own mind, self-limiting beliefs. And if we have a load of bunch of self-limiting beliefs that like, oh, I'm not going to do this because what are people going to think of me? Like, really? You're not going to go after and do something because you're worried about what people are going to think of you? No, like, like forget all of that. Just go do it anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting way of thinking about it.
Julie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time I get criticized or anything like that, whether it's in my business or something I post, I get excited. Like at first, my my gut reaction is is to take the criticism internally, but I've trained myself and this was a limiting belief I had to dispel. But now I have a new belief that is anytime I get like really negative criticism for something I'm doing, it means I'm on the right path because I'm affecting sure. people's lives. And the like you said, the yeah. bigger you get, the more negativity, the more people, the more eyeballs are on you that you're going to get. But I keep telling myself that that negativity means I'm doing something right and I'm doing something well. And so yeah. uh, I, I've been able to get past that. And now, uh, yeah, when I see criticism, I'm like, okay, let's keep doing it. Or I hear no, I'm in, yeah, I'm in real estate. So I hear no a lot. Uh, <laughs> and so every time I've conditioned myself that no is just the first step to a yes or no means or all right step closer to a yes yeah. yeah exactly or no means i'm just gonna keep pushing because i want to do things to, to get the results that other people don't get you have to do the things that other people aren't doing and 100%. if someone's if someone's telling you no that means you're on a path that other people aren't doing and so any great story you hear about a great entrepreneur or any or anybody that's done anything big in their lives, what do they always say? I was told no a thousand times, or I got it wrong a thousand times. And they use that failure, that no, as not only feedback, but they use it, a lot of people use it as fuel to propel themselves forward. So I love hearing no. If I hear no, I'm like, all right, let's do it. This is a challenge. Let's push forward. Or because if someone's- Because just, just hearing yes, 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 is monotony and- I think you know, certainly in any kind of business, you know, there's, there's you know, there's, there's, there's sales involved in every business on the planet, you know, except for maybe a charity. But even then, we're selling the idea of something. So ultimately, you know, it's a case of if if everything was just a yes, I think we wouldn't. Like, because as humans, we need a purpose. Mm-hmm. So you you take you take away that oh, man, it's been a tough day. I've heard a bunch of no's. Like, well, the purpose behind that is well, tomorrow I'm going to hear less no's and maybe a few more yeses. There's a reason to get up in the morning. You know, if we if everything was just easy, there's no purpose, which is also why most lottery winners end up in a massive problem. Like, so I don't know what it's like over where, where you guys are, but certainly over here, I've I've read many stories of people who've won many many millions on the lottery, and it's got them into all sorts of real trouble. Why? Because they wake up every morning with absolutely no purpose whatsoever. There's okay. no there's nothing that makes them go. I've got to get up today and like get some money in the bank to pay the bills. Like. There's no, there's no reason for them to do anything because they've got, you know, 2. Point, or 23.2 million sat in the bank that they just won overnight. It's a real bad thing. Um, it's far better to have adversity. Way better to have adversity. It's like a hill to climb up. We need that. Like we are, like a, a human trait is to fight against, not, not, not fight's the wrong word, but to struggle against something. Take away the struggle. You take away, I think, a big part of what makes us as humans. So, well, that, I, certainly, I certainly feel that from my point of view, um, and I, my wife will always say, like we, you know, like I said, we've, we're sitting here in a in a new house, and you know, we we go after big goals. Um, and interestingly, all of my goals were all either a screensaver on my Mac or my phone. Like whatever I put on one of those two screens becomes a reality, which is worrying because what's currently sitting behind the screen on my Mac right now is is a bit of a joke. But. Um, uh, you know, we need those things to move towards. But then also one thing I know that I know that I actually do quite a lot is as soon as I've achieved a goal, it's done. 
there's not much celebration after it, which is, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but I tend to sort of tick it off and move on very, very quickly. Um, and I think it's on to the next challenge. Yeah. You know, I don't really sort of sit back and go, oh, smell the roses. Like, I'm not, no, yeah. what's the next? Put something else in front of me. Let's go and achieve that. Yeah. And the next thing could be something easy. Like it doesn't have to be bigger and bigger and bigger every time. That's, it's not that. It's more a case of just what is the next thing? Yeah. Know, what, what's, what's the next little thing to go after that keeps me and anybody else focused on moving forward? I think exactly. That's and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that's just moving forward. Like if you put all your weight on the result itself or the outcome, you're, you're going to get either disappointed or it's, it's not going to be what you thought it was. And that actually is going to, uh, from a physiological standpoint, that's going to really drop your dopamine levels down. Dopamine is one of those things that we use, whether it's through workout, cold water immersion, things like that. People think it's all pleasure. Like, oh, I get a dopamine hit every time somebody likes me on Facebook. But really what dopamine is, it's drive, motivation. And from anyone who does anything like... Uh, super successful, extreme athletes, bodybuilding, things like that. You're rewarding yourself doing the process. You know, they say it's not the destination, it's the journey. And that's the same thing. And you live your life. Exactly. You live your life like that a hundred percent. And I, I feel it's important to celebrate your wins, but it's equally, if not more important to celebrate the little wins that get you to that. And so I agree with you a hundred percent on that, man. Um, once again, Andy is the founder and CEO of Nailer Body Design, which is an international online health and fitness company that focuses on C-suite VPs and business owners, helping them take back control of their health and well-being. He is also the host of the Optimal Alpha podcast. And you can find Andy on Instagram at Andy Nailer Pure Elite Pro. Now, something I want to jump into. You said when you were a kid, shy stick and now you're a motivational speaker you get on stages for multiple reasons um can you just walk us a little bit through that transition like when did that happen to you and what did you do to go from somebody with a small frame to this big muscular guy full of confidence and just ready to hit hit the mornings attack the mornings win the day every single day I, I guess it's there's no there's no one particular thing. It, it's it's things being laid on top of each other as they were required and when they were required. So I think, I mean, getting to the point where I am now, what's what's allowed me to get here is a combination of a different bunch of things. So owning you know owning, owning an international coaching company. So there's, 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 there's two clear elements to be able to get to here. One is knowing how to coach people. Two is knowing how to run a business. And they're completely different things because you could know how to coach someone and not be able to run a business. And there's nothing wrong with that. You'd just be a very, very good coach working for somebody else. And there's absolutely, right. that's, that's brilliant. Like there's nothing wrong with that at all. Or you could be an incredibly good business person and know nothing about coaching. Well, then you just run a business in something else, wouldn't you? Like that, 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 they are the roots. So to get to this point, it's like this, it's like a sort of, it's like a sort of explosion of a bunch of things happening. I mean, in terms of, in terms of, if we look at physique, right? So, yeah, I mean, so I mentioned earlier that I DJed. So the, the years that I DJed was probably from maybe 19 up until about 23, 24, semi-professionally. Now, that is not a healthy lifestyle. 
I can tell you that for sure. I imagine. Is, you know, it's like playing in dance clubs around the country, like just, just, you know, just like trying to get sleep and, you know, any kind of normal pattern across the weekend, um, you know, to give, while we, while, while I was doing that, we were looking, we, we bought a house, um, the house that we've just moved out of. And we, we were in a position, obviously we were young. We were able to buy a quarter of that house. Okay. So we bought a quarter. So you buy the quarter and you rent the other three quarters and then you staircase up. So it's a really good way to get into owning property. So as we were staircasing up, at that particular time, I was a postman. Right? So I've been a postman. Wicked job. Brilliant job in the summer, I can tell you that. So yeah. I was a postman. So I was up at half four in the morning. I'd go and do the round. I'd come back and I'd be home by about 12, one o'clock. I'd go to sleep, get up, eat, get some work done around the house. And then I was a security guard at night. So then I would go to this place and I'd sit somewhere. Um, I'd have to walk around and do security stuff from about five till nine. Okay. And I'd come home, eat, go sleep, get up at half four. Think, just think about that circle. So I was doing, and then it would come to the weekend and sleep disappeared because I'd be playing in clubs at like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Wow. So that happened for six months to save up the money. So there must have been something that I learned in that about hard work, like just, just, just the outright, if you want something, you'll go and do whatever it takes to get there. Like the, ta- the first tattoo I've got on my arm literally means um, I'll either find a way or I'll make one. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. That's yeah, so that, I, I can't pronounce it in, in Latin, but that's what I'll either find a way or make one. It was the first tattoo I had. And I had that t- tattooed on me when we got our first business, which interestingly is a business that we had to liquidize. So normally behind every, whether you think I'm successful or not, but behind every successful business person is a failed business sitting behind them where they learn their lessons. So I, I, yeah, I have one. I know what yeah. that feels like. And maybe we'll jump into that. <clears throat> but but certainly there are, there's, it's like a mixing pot of, I guess, of a, of a bunch of um areas um skill sets um lessons learned that gets you to this point it's, it's it's definitely i would not have known this is where i was going to end up um so I, I think there was there was a degree of time and again i had a break a real again i can go back to a particular working time so it just again so just after the uh working as a postman it was coming up to another winter and i'm like no not not posting letters for another winter and i went and got a job and it's possibly one of the most it was one of the most difficult jobs I had, and it was it was literally picking and packing in a in a warehouse. Okay, and I hated this job to the point where I can honestly remember standing there doing it with tears running down my face because it was breaking my soul. I mean, wow. it was like it was it was literally killing me inside because I was trying to become a professional DJ, and so I had this thing going on out there, and then I was doing this job that was like the exact opposite, and it was it was killing me. But in the sales office, a lady left. The boss must have seen something in me, or he was absolutely desperate. I don't know. But he was like, <laughs> I think, you know, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to come and see if you can, you know, like help sell stuff? Right. And that's, and, and I did quite well under his tutelage. He taught me how to technically sell and how to provide value and how to better customer service and all this sort of stuff. That one opportunity then led to them going to work for a daily newspaper, advertising, sales, marketing, business. That one point led me to here amongst also coaching and all the other things. But in terms of business, if that if, if I hadn't have gone done that job, you know, stood there having gone through that, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. I've no idea, not absolutely no idea where things would have gone if that hadn't happened, because I wouldn't have got I mean, maybe it would have happened anyway. I don't know, but I can't imagine that I would have gone on quite on the journey that I did, you know, going through working through newspapers, advertising, which is also there where I got my first taste at 
managing individuals, so running teams. So again, you know, I now run a team of, of 24 people here in the business. In, interestingly, the business we had before was at 23 or 24 people. More interesting than that, the advertising sales floor was also 24 people. That was 23 females and one male. So weirdly, I've always managed teams of this sort of size. But again, if I hadn't had the opportunity out off the back of that awful job, I wouldn't have got here. So I guess in terms of business, that's sort of how things arced off in this direction. Mm-hmm. Physique-wise, well, I'd come out of being a DJ and I was not healthy, not healthy at all. And a friend of mine was um, actually at the time um, doing Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's collection of martial arts, essentially. And it gets taught as Jeet Kune Do. And he was like, come along. And I went along and I was out of shape, out of breath, rubbish at it. Um, bottom of the class, obviously, at the time. And for some, I loved it. Like, but I, I did that for four years. I got to be, I was a brown belt. I was training to do my black belt. But also at the time I was like, oh, I'm going to start going to a gym to strength train to get better. And then I, I just fell in love with the gym. And I kind of got bored with the martial art because what happened was I was now top of the class. Right. As in, I'd been there long enough to sort of get to the top. So now it wasn't such a challenge for me. When I first went, I'd go and I'd come back steaming of sweat, white as a sheet, like ranked as, you know, senseless. And I'd loved it. And now I was like, hmm, I'm kind of going and like, it's not really the challenge, but the gym thing, like that's a challenge. Like I'm going and to, I, and I just fell into it. And that's like a good, God, I mean, that's like over two decades ago. Um, and I then I guess, I guess that story that it is just self, I just, you know, just went to the gym, copied everyone else, lost the first five years of training because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Then started thinking, well, I really like this and I really want to get somewhere. I'm going to start paying attention to what I'm doing. So I started logging my training. I was the only person in my gym writing anything down i used to get these yeah. little square sticky notes off like off the desk and i'd write down what i did and then i'd get home i'd put it into an excel spreadsheet like a proper geek right like and i'd put it into an excel spreadsheet and then i'd be like oh i'd then i'd then sprint that out and i'd take it into the gym and i'm okay right so I, I did i did 12 reps with 100 pounds right i need to do 13 reps with 100 pounds i need to do something that was more than last week to make progress and that was it. Off I went. And then, and then as soon as that started to happen in, the next thing people were like, oh, what are you doing? Can you tell me how you're doing? Like straight away, it's like, how they are you doing? What's going you. on? And then all of a sudden that then turns into being a PT. PT turns into being a coach. Coach turns into owning a company. So, but at the, at the side of that was the business thing that was going on. So the, I guess the two things were sort of like, you know, coming up side by side. And, and it got to the point where, again, pivotal moment. We'd, um, you know, my, my wife and I had had a business we had a hairdressing company. So I had nothing to do with hairdressing, but I knew how to run a business. Well, I thought I knew how to run a business. So we built and grew very fast a hairdressing company. We had to liquidize that company. So we had to shut it down. We had to close it. Like as a director, I had to take a decision that we cannot continue in this route. And it was heartbreaking because we'd invested eight years of our life. We'd opened the second salon and I'd funded it with 50 grand of our own money. Um, when we liquidized the company, that 50 grand of debt fell on us, us personally. And what I just done, I just made us both redundant because we both worked in that company. So I, we had to liquidize a company. My wife was able to go and cut hair. I had nothing to do. I had no job. So what did she say to me? Well, you seem to like the gym. Why don't you just train people in the gym and earn, get money out of it? And I was like, I hadn't thought about it. I had no idea. I was like, it's a bloody good idea. And then like next week, I was back, I'd gone back into the gym and said to the owners, do you mind if I, you know, like I'll, I'll give you a cut, but do you mind if I train people in there? No, no, go for it. That's that journey. So... I suppose now I sit here and look back at it, there are, there are maybe five or so key things that if right. none of those five things happened, I wouldn't be sitting here now. 
I'd be doing something else and maybe I'd have been successful somewhere else. I don't know because I only know this path that I've walked. Um, but yeah, that gives you, there's a bit of background. That gives you oh, a little yeah. insight. No, I appreciate you sharing that. that. That's a lot to unpack. There were so many nuggets in there. Um, I, I don't know if we'll be able to hit on all of them, but one of the things that you said that reminded me, so being an American and I'm sure you guys are the same, we love ourselves some Arnold Schwarzenegger, speaking of bodybuilders, movie stars, things like that. And I remember a story that Arnold or I heard about Arnold when he was a kid, when he first found out that he was in love with bodybuilding is he was a small scrawny kid as well. And he went to whatever local gym, he rode his bike there and worked out. And he said that once he left the gym, he was riding his bike and his muscles were so worn out that he fell off his bike. Like it was all wobbly and he could barely uh, even get on his bike and ride it back home. And he knew at that exact moment that he had felt found something he was passionate about that he loved and that he wanted to do for the rest of his life. Mm. And to hear, yeah. you know, you did martial arts and then got to a point where you were what I like to say, the smartest guy in the room and you wanted to find a new room and you found something. You didn't only find another room, but you found something that brought this fire out inside of you. And that's absolutely incredible to be able to not only find something like that, because most people don't even find that in their lives. And, and, and interestingly, so I think when I say to my wife, oh, we're, you know, I feel so lucky to be here. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's not luck. You, it's the hard work you've put in. And I'm like, but what happens if I hadn't found the thing? Like, and, and, and this, is, this is also genuinely a heck of a lot of people. Like people, we all, we, all, we all want someone to go and find the thing they love and then be able to earn a living from it. Like that would, that, that would, that's the perfect scenario. And, and then, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm sitting in that. What, like, what, what if I've not found it? Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting because, again, you know, there's probably more people going to their daily job hating it than loving it. I think that's fair to say the world over. That's fair. I, I, yeah. I, I imagine. So that's why I sit here and say I feel so lucky. Not because of success, not because of the business. Like, I just love what I, what I do. Like, that's the bit I feel lucky about. The simplest bit, I love what I do. Um, whether, you know, the fact that I'm able to, you know, earn money and, and, and put food on the table and, you know, a roof over our head for doing it, well, that's that's a blessing, that is. But not to, you know, because I know what it feels like to go to a job that I hate. Like, I've done that. Stood there literally, like, with tears running down my face because it was just, it was breaking my soul. I know what that feels. And now, how, what happens if I'd have gone from job to job to job like that? And I feel, I genuinely feel for people who are going through that. It, 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 it must be absolutely terrible. I mean, the only thing I could say to people like that is keep damn well looking something will turn up. There's a story about the guy who um, who who created KFC. Do you guys have KFC over there? Is oh, that, is that yes, we do. Okay, well, okay. The Colonel. I'm trying to work yeah. out if it's just over here or not. But <laughs> I think, I think um, I can't think, what's the guy's name? Colonel Sanders? That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was 65 when he created that. That's right, yeah. yep. Yeah, 65. Like, Fantastic so what, story. What was he doing up until that point, trying to find the thing? Well, he found it at 65 and must have been extremely happy. I mean, I don't know if he was happy before or after, but the point being is, you know, if anyone is in that situation where they literally hate their job, like, well, you're in a job which gives you the security to look for another one. It's much easier to find a job when you're in a job. And take take the, we were talking about channeling energy, take the, if there's negative energy towards the job that you've got, channel it into finding another job. Stop watching bloody Netflix and start paying attention to, well, I'm going to start looking for more work because, 
it's only down to someone. It's only down to the individual. If someone hates their job, that's their fault. Yep. Think about oh, I that. agree 100%. It's a completely different way of looking at it. It's their fault. Sounds awful. Take ownership. They, they said yes to the, the job. You know, when someone said, oh, would you like to, we've, we've looked at your, we've, we've interviewed you, you've looked at your CV, would you like to work here? Yes, I would, please. Well, if you didn't, you said yes to the job, now you hate it. That's your fault, All right? Which is a hard kick up the backside for most people. But then take that, keep looking for something else. There's something out there. There'll be something out there. And there's, there's quite, I mean, I say to a lot of people, given that I guess I've built a business out of nothing, like it, it came from nowhere, the, you know, the idea, the name, the logo, like it, there was nothing before that. Well, everyone must have a thing that they love to do. It doesn't matter what it is. I agree. If you've got knowledge and passion and skill in something, someone else out there will pay for that information. Everybody, else, some, do you know what I mean? Like that's that's only a, that's all the business is, is is someone having a degree of knowledge, passion, and information on something that someone else would benefit from in the world. Therefore, it's a business. Or it can be a business, and everybody's got that something inside them. God, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, the more niche it is, the better. Like the more weird and niche that idea and passion and thought is, like the more someone can then ultimately charge for it because it's more niche down. Um, but yeah, I, I do I do feel for people that you know in a job that they're, they're really unhappy with. Um, but do something about it. That's my message. Just do something about it. Yeah, yeah. We we are all designers of our lives, and we are solely responsible. I always tell people that no one's going to care about your life more than you are. No one's going to care more about your business more than you are. No one's going to care more about your health more than you are. And if you rely on other people to care about yourself more than you, you're going to live an unhappy life. You're going to live a life that you're going to live someone else's dream. You're going to be a part of someone else's dream, not your own dream. And so I agree with that 100%. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, you obviously are big on health, big on fitness. What are some, and you work with very busy individuals, guys that are running companies, gals that are running companies, businesses, things like that. And we all have one thing in common. We've got 24 hours in a day, but for the people that live busy lives or maybe not so busy lives, what are small little things people can do to start making that health change, to start making that exercise uh, change in their lives? So, the first thing is change the mindset. The, the oh, I'm busy. I haven't got time for that. I call people out on that. I'm like, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. Oh, you, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Right. So we like, we, went, we might shit. be shirtless here soon. So okay. I'm like, <laughs> like it's, it, it, you know, I haven't got time. That's a load of shit. That's a kid's excuse. Like I know people who have like the same 24 seven, right? And do three or four times what I do. And I look at them and I'm like, oh, I've no idea how they're so efficient. And I'm not bad, right? I'm pretty efficient. But then I listen to people like, oh, I've not got time to go to the gym. You know, I can't make it. I'm like, what a load of crap. Like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a limiting belief. It's, in fact, it's a bullshit story that they've been hanging on to because for whatever reason, there was a billion reasons that that could be. So first thing is change mindset, change beliefs, break beliefs, understand that, that not having time for something is, is actually something else. It's the thing that they say they don't have time for is just not high enough of a priority that it's got time. That's it. That's the only actual difference. Now, having said that, I can't tell someone else what their priorities are. Not, not up to me, just in the same way that my opinion shouldn't mean anything to them, right? It's not their business, right? So I can't say to someone, well, you should put your health and fitness at, or you know, your health, well-being and longevity at the top. Now, I can make a really bloody good argument that it should be at the top. <laughs> like I could, could probably convince most people that it should be there because it doesn't matter. So, I mean, someone said to me, um, so I hear a lot of people say to me in the business world, I'm focusing on my business. And I'm like, cool, so am I. 
Okay, so am I. Like I'm, 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 I'm here seven days a week. It doesn't make a difference to me. But someone says I'm focused on my business, and, and I'll be, you know, I, I need, I need it to get to, you know, someone said to me last week, twenty five million a year. I'm like, brilliant. That's a fucking great goal. Good for you. Yeah. Like that's going to mean nothing to you when you've had a stroke because of the stress you're under. Yep. I said you'll, you'll give all of that away to get your health back. All of it. None of the moment you've lost your health, your riches, your wealth, your notoriety, none of it means anything. So why should it mean something now? Because if I came and take that stuff away from you, you'd pay 25 million to get your health back, let alone try and earn it. So the first thing is mindset change. Understand that if something's not a priority, uh, sorry, if, if you don't have time for something, it's just because it's not a priority to you. So maybe sit down and carefully think about priorities. Now, those will change at different areas of someone's life. We speak to, or I speak to, the, a lot of the consultations I have are people, you know, guys for the, for the main part um, in their 50s. They've, they've got a beautiful family. They've built a, a very successful business, but they're screwed. They're, they're, they've they've sab- sabotaged themselves on the journey. And it's not their fault because what we said, like as men, this sounds but as, as men, like we see our, our role as probably providing, protecting, like that's definitely so evolutionarily, it's still somewhere in there, right? I know I, know I can feel like that. So, you know, grow, growing a family, but like being, being a linchpin, you know, part of the family, growing a business feels very much part of what we're supposed to do. But while doing that, they, a lot of the guys I speak to are now, you know, they've, they've, they've got out of any kind of regime, they're eating for convenience, their mindset's all over the place, stress is high, body weight is high, sleep is low. Those three together, are a ticking time bomb because the next thing is diabetes, stroke, heart attack. So again, priorities. <laughs> like there's my argument. I'd put health and fitness, health, wellness, fitness, mental health, emotional health, psychological health, like all of these things. It should be somewhere at the top. And I ask people on a, on a consultation, I, I ask people this question. I'm like, right, everything we've been talking about in this consultation, do me one favor, forget about your job, your business, forget about your family. Now, the things that we've just been talking about, I want to know on a scale of one to 10, how much of a priority they are to you. And I get all sorts of different numbers, but most of the time, by the time I've spoken to someone, it's somewhere near the top. So that's the first thing. Second thing, go after the, look after easy wins. <laughs> go after the easy stuff. Right. Like everyone wants to go from zero to a hundred really, really quickly. And they think that they can when they're kidding themselves. It's the same as people think that they're going to go through December leading a really bad, like technically bad lifestyle. And then they're going to fix it all in the new year, new me on the first Monday of the month. Setting oneself up for failure, complete waste of time. And we right now we talk about this a lot in our industry because everyone's like, "Oh, here come the holidays. I'm going to wait until after Christmas." I'm like, "Really? Good for you. You've just told yourself that you you are not important enough to start now. Sit and think about that. So go after go after easy stuff. Maybe just try and track and drink enough water in a day. Easy, right? Yeah. We've got to we've got to we've got to drink it. Well, I mean, some people maybe don't drink water, but like it's an easy win. Maybe just try and hit 8,000 steps a day. Easy win. Like, we've got to walk somewhere. How about we just walk a bit further rather than taking a, a, a car ride down to the shop? Why don't we just walk there? Easy stuff. There's always, like, there's a, there's a saying which is start now, use what you have, do what you can. Find me an excuse to not do one of those, to use those, that, those three words, those three paragraphs, and get started. Start now, use what you've got. In other words, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't start until I've got a new pair of trainers, right? Okay, do something bare, fucking footage. So like just start and do what you can. No one can argue against that unless they're just being argumentative. So go after the easy wins. So cutting out junk food, getting enough water in, maybe going to bed and waking up at the same time would be a really smart thing to do, given that sleep, for the most part, humans, adult humans, have pretty poor sleep. 
basically. Certainly a lot of the people we, we work with, like their sleep is, is shot to pieces. Why? Because they don't actually think about it. They don't really pay. And that's okay. That's normal. Right? Just don't actually pay attention. Like sleep is pretty much third in the hierarchy of really important stuff when it comes to us staying alive. Oxygen being at the top, water, then sleep. We could argue some other bits and pieces, but if I took oxygen away from you from three, for three minutes, you'd be in trouble. If I took water away from you for three days, you'd be in trouble. I think sleep is five days. It's either three or five days. You'd be, you don't come back from that. But we will put up with poor sleep, won't we, all of us? Oh, you know, I only get four hours a night, and or, I, 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 I wake up feeling just as tired as when I went to bed. Or, like, the, or the opposite, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right for yeah, that for the really, overachiever, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, right, I'm yeah, yes. Yeah. I'll sleep I'm when I'm dead. Hard, I'm the hardest worker in the room. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, and that's going to happen a lot quicker than you bloody well hoped it would if you carry on like that. That's true. Um, so yeah, low low hanging fruit, easy stuff. Go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. Try and move a little bit more. Maybe get outside and get some sunlight and some fresh air. Like it's re- people don't think about doing this stuff because it sounds so silly and easy. But these are all things I do every day. I try to go to bed and wake at the same time. I drink four liters of water every day. I track my steps. You know, yeah, I track all of my, well, you know, I can track all of my food and I do and have done. And I don't eat a whole bunch of, I mean, I, 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 I could eat ice cream and dark chocolate every day and still be 10% body fat. Like, like it's possible. Anyone listening, it's possible. It's just what you do around that that makes it work. Yep. So anyone looking to get started, it's a case of, but also, and also don't like, if you feel that you're such a long way away from the target, which is a lot of people, that's for, okay. I've got, I've got 52 pounds to lose and I, I, I don't even want to do. So like, the goal is so far away. Now, like in your mind, imagine looking at a really tall staircase, right? Okay. Let's all picture the same staircase, Rocky running up a set of stairs, right? We can all picture that because we should probably all seen that move. So Rocky running up a set of stairs. It's a massive long set of stairs. Is it in Boston? I want to say it's somewhere. I don't know where Philadelphia. it is. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Okay. So it's a big, long set of stairs. So the goal is to get to the top, right? And it's a long, long way away. So if all we ever do is look at the top step, it's always a long way away. But what happened is we were going up the steps. We just looked down and looked at each step that we took. That means if we took one step every day, we would see a step of progress every single day. We wouldn't necessarily see the top step getting any closer, but we would know that it was. <sighs> like, if we just thought about things that way, rather than, oh, that top step never gets any closer. No, but look, you've made 10 steps in 10 days. Well done. Like, good stuff. Like, you're doing something. So that's a perspective trick, I think, that people need to focus on. Just be one, just be 1% better every day. Like, everybody could do that. You know, oh, I, 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 I tracked my food, but then I ate, you know, 20 biscuits. I ate a pack of biscuits today. Damn. Okay. How about eat only half a pack of biscuits next day, right? Just something, just move forward like, and make it fun. Like, you know, it, people think going on a health kick or whatever they want to call it is going to not be fun. Like, so I've been doing this right. 19 years. If it wasn't fun, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be still doing it, would I? I wouldn't be sustainable. And there's the other trick. Find stuff that is sustainable. Yeah. So the reality is if, bod- if losing body fat and dieting is part of the goal, which let's be honest, for all of us, it will be at some point. We all need to lose fat at some point unless – most of us, right? Now, the reality is <clears throat> of the dieting industry, the world round, 85% of dieters, whether they reach their goal or not, will end up back where they started or worse inside two years. This, this, like, hear that in your mind again, 85% fail rate. It's shocking. Why? Because most people start something they can't sustain, they stop the thing, and then they fly backwards. And that could be any fad diet on the planet. I can sit here and list loads of things that people do. They're like, oh, I'm going to go and do keto because I need to lose weight. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, 
if your dog needed to lose weight, you wouldn't take it to the vet and they say you put it on keto. They say stop feeding the bloody thing so much and make it move more. Like it's bloody simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, but someone will go, and I'm not bashing keto because there are benefits, right? There are there are legitimate benefits there of doing it. Definitely but are, yeah. But, but it's not required for fat loss. No. And what happens when someone starts to put the other macronutrient, or you know, the devil carb, carbs, so they put that back in? They're going to go up in body weight. There's no way around that because they'll start to fill up full of, like technically they'll fill up full of glycogen, which is another way of saying their muscles will start to store carbs. Yeah. And for every gram of carb that you store in your muscle, you store two grams of water. So there's going to be a weight increase. But the person sees the weight increase, their head falls off their shoulders and they go and binge anyway. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. So finding sustainable things that are probably easier to do than you think they're going to be, right? Like, that that's the way forward. So yeah. um, there's a few tactics I think that um, now could be could be deployed pretty easily, and all of those things don't need to happen at once. Like just do one thing at a time. Yeah, um, that's it. That's perfect. When I did, I was telling you a little about bit about my hundred day challenge. Uh, a year ago, I weighed a little bit over 180 pounds. I'm five foot ten, and I dropped down to in that hundred day challenge. I dropped down to 135 pounds. I was probably about seven or eight percent body fat. I finally got rid of my beer gut. I had a six pack. Like it, I, I had hit Stop goals it. that I never thought were possible. At the same time, I wrote my book. I did so many other things. I I hiked uh, a large mountain. I always wanted to hike a large mountain. I ended up hiking two of them. And for me, health and fitness was a huge part of that hundred day challenge. But I did not want to expend. The mental energy. I didn't have time. I, I was running three businesses. I and this is not. I don't have time. Excuse. Like literally, I was waking up at five thirty in the morning, working till about seven, eight o'clock at night, and had a full plate. I, and so, for health and fitness, I knew that I needed help. I needed somebody like Andy Naylor, and I found a guy in Miami. This this guy Noah King, and. He does something similar to you. And this is how I know your business works because I'm a product of a very similar business. I have never met the guy. I've, <laughs> I've talked to him over the phone maybe once or twice. And all I did, well, what he had me do is he gave me a workout routine every week and he gave me a diet to follow that he would tweak depending on where I was. And all I had to do was follow the diet to a T, follow the exercise routine to a T, and then every Friday, I would weigh myself in the morning, send him a photo of my front and my back, and that was it. And he would tweak it because he knew everything. And he already had the results. The guy looks like a, uh, like you, a freaking superhero, like the Hulk, you know, full of strength. And I was like, I want to look like that guy. And I know there's tons of health benefits associated with it, but I was like, I want to lose my gut. I want to complete something that I think would... I didn't think was possible. I'm almost 40. I went years and years and years with going to the gym, not seeing results, not losing my gut. I did these bulk things where all I did was gain weight and my arms got bigger, but they weren't defined or anything like that. And so I was like, I can't just go on this fad diet or this fad exercise routine and expect results. I need to hire a professional. I don't have the time to do it myself, research myself, all that. So I'm going to find someone who's done it they're going to guide me. I am going to follow them blindly and have faith that what they are going to do works. In 100 days, 
I was down to 135 pounds, seven, 8% body fat. And then now I'm in the bulking up phase, like a lean bulk, not just get bulk to get bulk. And so I have proved to myself that it is possible and you don't even need a personal trainer as long as you're willing to do it. And you, you know enough about exercising to do the exercises properly. And he can, you know, someone like yourself can help with that as well, even though you're physically not there. All of that is possible and it can happen in a radically fast time frame too. And this is, this is a thing. <clears throat> I mean, there's a few things there. One, because you said, oh, you know, you can, we can even help even though we're physically not there. Weirdly, when I first, when I went from being an in-person personal trainer, so I, I, I did eight years in a gym. So I've, you know, I've kind of cut my teeth and done my apprenticeship, so to speak. When I went online, my results got better very quickly. And there's technically, so a lot of people, oh, you know, I, I really want to train and I want the person there. And I'm like, okay, I respect that, but why? Oh, I feel that I need someone there. And I'm like, oh, what, you need a crutch? Oof, that's going to butt hurt a lot of people, by yep. the way. But, oh, you feel that you need a crutch? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm Love like, it. so you're relying upon another person. What happens when they're sick? What happens when they don't turn up? Like, I, I know that type of training. And so I can talk from a personal experience. So it ends up being a very over-familiar relationship. But like people would come to me and um, they just start telling me about their kids and their weekend. And I'm like, no, 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 we're here to train. And it just, so, but also when we go and see someone physically, what happens is, is we get too focused on that one hour or that two hours a week. What about the, so when we shifted to online coaching, now we basically wrap ourselves around a person the whole time. So they, they are now responsible for taking themselves to the gym, whatever gym and wherever they, and whenever they want to go, we show them exactly what to do and how to do it. Our mantra is this. You should never need another coaching company after us. Think about it that way. Yep. Because if because again, we want to keep people out of that eighty five percent. We want to work in the fifteen percent. So yeah, for sure. You know, in terms of what we do, it's a case of having the systems in place to make sure that someone can be you know coached remotely. And I mean, I've I've put people on stage and had them one shows, and I've never met them. Like it's it's been all completely which it's bizarre, really. Well, if I sit back and think about it, it is bizarre. That's insane. But it's, but, it, but it's the ability to be able to do what this chap did for you, which is what you've ultimately, you've got two, two, two major things when you, when you work with that person. One, external accountability, right? Two, you delegated it to him and he dealt with it. Yeah. And, and, and probably you invested. So you've got skin in the game, right? The moment, oh, yeah. and that's, another, that's, that's, that's another important thing. Like free information isn't taken seriously. Correct. Okay. Now we charge you know, as much as we can for our service, just like every other business, right? But it's not about money. My business does well. Like, it's not about money. It's the more a client pays, the more bloody attention they pay, the better the results that they get. Think about that. Someone said to me once upon a time, you're not doing your clients a favor by undercharging them. And I was like, what? It's like, because they don't pay any attention to what you're telling them to do because they're not, they've not got skin in the game. They're not actually committed and invested. And I was like, that's a really interesting, from a business perspective, that's a really interesting way of looking around things. And I've invested in all sorts over the past couple of years and, and lots of different mentors and different things, you know. And the more I've invested, the better the results I got because the more in it I was. So for, for, for you, on, I know, on the, the, the sort of 100-day thing that you did, you, you, you've delegated the working it all out to somebody else. You invested in them. So when they told you what to do, you listened, and then they held you accountable externally. That's how it works. Now, obviously, there's all sorts of other technical stuff and other bits and bobs that can be going on, but that's sort of the crux of it, um, which I think is, from my perspective, I think that's a far better system, which is obviously why we do it this way. 
than being an in-person trainer. Now, there's going to be a, there's a gazillion in-person trainers out there, and there's going to be some bloody good ones. And so I say this all respectfully to everybody. Um, but I also think um, from, a, from a client, from, a, from an individual person's point of view of trying to go and getting in shape, it would be far better if they had um, the ability to then continue that themselves. You know, let's say, let's say they get really you know, good with a personal trainer and that personal trainer decides to leave town and go and go somewhere else. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. Suddenly they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to set up machines. They haven't learned anything. You know, they're not, they're not um, responsible for themselves. It's far better go, okay, it's going to be really difficult to start with and then it'll be a little bit less difficult yeah. and then a little bit less difficult and then suddenly you'll feel like an expert. And like, like one, of, one of our clients came to me only in his check-in this week. He's like, everybody in the gym asks me how to do things. I'm like, wicked. That makes me really happy because that means I've passed something on to somebody. Like, that is so cool. Like, I, 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 again, I, I've done this for 19 years. I've picked up a fair amount of information in 19 years. Yeah. Don't know, as you'd expect, right? But if I don't pass it on, what was the point? Exactly. It's a very, it's a very, em- it's a very empty life if you don't pass information on. And so, you know, when a client comes back to us and says, everyone in the gym asked me how to do stuff because I'm finding it really cool. I'm like, because it is cool. Like, that's super cool. Um, so, yeah, I think I've gone on a bit of a rant there. But um, no, no, uh, no. I, you you hit the nail. You hit the nail on the head because working out and diet are just habits and rituals that we've conditioned our entire lives. <laughs> and something that's so important about new habits and exercise is a new habit. Diet is a new habit. There's two types of habits. There's there's context-dependent habits and context-independent habits. And by doing this online, you are making that habit context-independent so that right now I'm at a family's house. I'm out of state. What do I do? Well, I go for a run outside in the frigid weather. That I don't need a gym or a trainer to watch me do cardio or if I go to the gym and I don't have my phone on me for whatever, I don't have my exercise routine in front of me, I still know what to do. I know the weight that I need. I know the reps that I need. I know how to vary it up, whether I do supersets or not. Like I know enough now because I, I was left to my own, you know, I was given guidance, but I had to do it myself. Nolan wasn't there. He wasn't going to hold my hand. And I do see that too with trainers, in-person trainers, how those people, it's almost like going to a therapist for years and years and years. Yeah. You're not really getting much better, but you feel a lot better because you're, you know, but, but yeah, if that trainer has gone, then you're just completely lost. So I, I, I see that now from that point of view, that what you offer is a, a context independent approach to working out and diet, because now the person is hundred percent accountable and whether they work with you or not for the rest of their lives, their lives are changed, they're empowered, and they have the, the knowledge to continue that for the rest of their lives. And that's well, way more powerful than anything you might get working with somebody personally and then becoming dependent on having you around. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember when you know, you'd coach someone in a gym and you would want to set the equipment up for them. You'd want to pick the weight for them. You'd even stand there counting their reps for them like because you want to deliver a service. But that's a disservice because the moment I'm then not stood there, like I would go on holiday and I'd, you know, I'd speak to my clients at the week. Oh, how did your session go? Oh, I didn't actually make it in because you weren't here. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I was like, you've been following the plan I've been showing you, but they, what they, because I'm showing them, they weren't actually listening or paying attention. They were just doing, you know, doing what they were being told to do, which is, 
which is fine. It's okay, but it's not independence, is it? Right. Like, would it would it not be far better for someone to learn a little bit the hard way, but then be independent? I.e., then the next ten to twenty years of their life, they can look after themselves. Or do they just want a you know a, a, a trainer to hold their hand and beast them for now? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Depends on the goal and the outcome that someone wants. It's when someone doesn't align the outcome with the actual thing that they're doing. And it's like, oh, this thing's going to get me to the outcome. Well, it might get you there, but will it keep you there? Well, yeah. Well, what happens when your trainer decides to not train anymore? Like, what are you going to do? I'll find a new trainer. Will you? Or will you just fall off the wagon? I don't know. Like, you know, what's going to happen? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think with health and fitness too, what you had said, what your specific goal is, that's so important because when people talk about fitness, they're like, oh, I want to run three miles. It's like, well, why do you want to run three miles? Do you, do you want to lose weight? Do you want to gain muscle? Do you want to be able to play with your kids? Running three miles is great, especially if you do it consistently. However, what's the reason behind that? And I think that's why diets and exercise is so difficult for a lot of people because everyone's telling you what to do or what to believe. Fats are bad. Fats are good. And so there's so much in that industry too. There's so much disinformation, but going back, you need to know what your goals are. And that starts with your mindset. Like you said, your psychology, and that is always going to have to be the first step. But then hiring someone like yourself is so important too, because you have decades of experience and you can take those decades and condense it into weeks, if not days for people. And so they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They don't have to become the next Andy Naylor or the next Arnold Schwarzenegger to live a healthy life, to lose weight, to get fit, to gain muscle, to have that six pack, to lose that beer gut, to get rid of that dad bod. It's all possible. And it, it's so crazy because I did it in a hundred days. You can do it in a short amount of time. And, but like you said too, some people might need that, that, um, incremental step, which is mm. important too. To me, I'm like a balls to the wall type of guy. And so yeah. I was like, just, but it's if, also very, it's, it's very intense to focus for a period of time. Yeah. You know, there's, oh, there's, yeah. there's a sort of, there's a sort of saying that, you, you know, I, I can't think of the actual numbers, but it's, you know, it's possible to leap yourself X amount of years forward with just six months of very focused time on something. Yep. You know, it doesn't matter what that something is. It could be, could be learning to play the piano. It doesn't matter what it is. If you really, really applied yourself for a period of time, and that's the one thing that you did and you were focused on it, you would catapult yourself miles forward. And that goes with health and fitness. Yeah. Um, I call that to total immersion. Yeah. 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 Because people tend to, you know, either dip their toe into something. People are all, people are all like either I'm, I'm all in or all out. I'm either everything or nothing. I'm like, that's a problem. Yeah. Because if you're everything or nothing, I bet you're nothing more than you're not or, or more than you are. Yeah. I'm, every, I'm either all in or all out. I'm like, no, like that's a problem. That's not a mantra that you should, we should live by. Um, I think it's far better to be, you know, I'm this much in today and I'm going to be a bit, a bit more at it the next day. And But just for sure, I think it's really useful to understand that a lot can be achieved in a small amount of time. I mean, when I get ready for a show, if, if, well, when, I, when I got ready for a show, it was a 16, it's 16 weeks. So I would go from a, a, my theoretically my fattest point, i.e. at the end of a bulking phase, to being show ready in 16 weeks. Now, yes, that is 16 weeks of hell, essentially. Certainly the end part. Like it's it's not, I'm not going to say it's not fun, 
but it's not comfortable. It hurts and there's a shit ton of suffering involved. And not, I'm not recommending most people do it, quite frankly. Um, but what I'm saying is that's 16 weeks. Like my first prep for my first show, which I won, just to get that in there, um, it was 11 weeks. I only had 11 weeks. Oh, wow. um, and, yeah. and I had help. I had, I've always, every time I've got ready for a show, I've, all, I've always had a coach. Do I technically know how to do it? Yes. Do I still fully understand the benefit of external um, accountability? Yes. Like, you know, Michael Jordan still had a coach when he was playing basketball. You know, Usain Bolt had a running coach. Probably a few. Could they run faster than him? No. no. Did they help him run faster? Yes. Like, it just makes a hell of a lot of sense. The same in business, right? You know, you know, I think when people say, and here's another interesting thing, certainly I hear on this journey, oh, I'm going to see how far I can get on my own. Okay, I respect that. But at some point, you're going to have to put your hand up and go, hmm, I'm now hitting a wall and I don't know how to get past it. Because everybody will. And if you don't hit a wall, then it means your potential is a lot further than you thought it was, which is awesome, which is awesome, by the way. But there's still going to be a wall somewhere. There's going to be a knowledge gap somewhere. And someone understands that and has walked that path before you, and they might be able to help. So I, th- I think I think there's a couple of couple of interesting, potentially dangerous thoughts there. The one, the one which is, um, I'm either all or nothing. That's the problem. And then the other one, which is, oh, I'm just going to see how far I can get on my own. Well, not as far as you hoped would be the answer I'd give most people at that. And that sounds a bit awful, and maybe even a little bit cocky, possibly. But sometimes people can certainly benefit from having their eyes opened. And because it's like me saying, oh, well, you know, I launched a podcast recently, right? And I sat and thought, I'm going to do this on my own. And then I sat and thought, that's a really dumb idea. I've never done this before. I know nothing about it. So I went and found the people who were the best at it. And I had them teach me. And within the first week that I launched my podcast, it was number five in the UK. And I think it got to like number 76 in the US, which is like ridiculous for some dude in Britain. Um, but what? But that only happened because I just went straight from the start. I was like, I ain't doing this on my own. No, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll sit and do all the recording and I'll just talk for Britain. No problem. But... I'm going to have someone who knows what they're doing show me. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. And I think a lot of people tend to um, worry that that's maybe some sort of failure. I don't know. Like, I, I, I get it. I know where that's coming from. I understand it. But yeah, like, but I'd far rather, like, there's more stuff I don't know than I know, like, obviously. And the more I learn, the more I realize I know nothing is another weird way of putting it. Because I'll learn something and five more doors will open behind it. And I'm like, oh. I thought I'd, I thought I'd work this out. It's like no, there's still more to learn. Um, and I think for for the regular person who've got maybe you know family, busy life, all this that and the other, and fitness and you know losing fat is just another thing on the agenda. Then ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you know, you probably someone's sitting there going, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to eat healthy. And I'm supposed to track it. I'm supposed to yeah. You, we all inherently know what we're supposed to do, but the implementation of that is a completely different thing. Yep. Um, you know, we we give out goodness knows how much of our best information for free. I have no problem doing that because people will come to us to help them implement it. That's really what coaching is actually about, and and then the accountability and the journey along the way, like the the, the moving transient journey of coaching someone to their their potential, their goal, isn't a straight line, um, and that's where real world coaching with real world, world people comes in because. It's, it's the manoeuvring around obstacles and things that has to be done by a person. Otherwise, everyone would just go to Google and YouTube and be in the shape of their life, like yeah. literally. And that's not that's not what happens, is it? Like all of us know that that's not the case. Um, you know, we need real people in the background, you know, superheroes in all of their own areas of life, like a superhero helping someone with business, a superhero helping someone with mental health. There's superheroes around all of us. 
and we all need them. And we should go looking for them. Again, we can say that what's the, what's the sort of saying? We are the sum total of the five people around us. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. There are people in my life who I, like, I've locked in stone. I'm like, you can't leave my side. You're staying here. And if it means I pay you to stay here as a mentor, then that's what I'll do because that's how much I value your time. Like, and, and I, will, I will do that. When, I, when, when, when someone's come into my world and they've had you know, such a particular impact, like I'd be stupid to allow them to disappear. Now, for someone on a health and fitness journey, that could be their coach. So that could have been the coach that you've had. You know, you, I mean, obviously, maybe it was a, t- a time-bound thing that you did. But I imagine, you know, if he could have stayed in your world longer term, you probably wouldn't have said no, right? You're like, yeah, cool, because look how far we've come. Oh, yeah. I think you put, it sounds to me like you pretty much smashed your goals and you got as far as you needed to get. But um, I think certainly, you know, understanding that there are people out there who gen- genuinely want to help. Like, a lot of people ask me, you know, what, what, what's got you so far into business? You know, like what's, what's success for you? Like it's helping people. It's helping people. It always has been. I still get the biggest kick when someone turns around to me and says, oh, I finally understand what macros are. Thank you so much. And I'm like, for, to, to me, it's like the simplest thing in the world, but it's not to everyone else. Like I know that. So when, someone, so, so when I help someone have an aha moment on the simplest of things, that makes my day. Over, I don't know, the business doing, having its best, business day or something like it's still an individual person turning around going you've just helped me i'm like you've just made my day by telling me that's right that's right i couldn't agree with you more absolutely incredible stuff man i shoot we can continue this conversation on and on and on i just i really appreciate your time i really appreciate everything you talked about there was so much good information I definitely want to have you on again because we didn't even scratch the surface with loads all, more to talk about yeah, like, with the yeah. amazing things that, that you're doing with your life. And I, I can't agree with you more. I always say be more so you can do more. And you are a living example of that. And I'm just so excited that I got this chance and this opportunity to meet you. And yeah, man, it's absolutely incredible. Pleasure's all mine, dude. Pleasure's all mine. It's been an absolute blast. And yeah, I think we could certainly, we could, uh, we could definitely do another one of these and, and delve into a few more areas. I think for, I think for sure. Um, I tend, to, I tend to go off on tangents about certain things, but hope, hope, hopefully they're useful. I don't know. Hope, hopefully oh, they uh, are. There's some, there's some little nuggets in there that might be useful. But yeah, uh, pleasure's all mine. Ace. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. I really appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to be here. For sure. Oh, it's uh, pleasures over here, man. Really appreciate it. So, Andy is the founder and CEO of Nailer Body Design an international online health and fitness company that focuses on C-suite, VP, and business owners, helping them take back control of their health and well-being. He's the host of the Optimal Alpha podcast. I've listened to it. It's a great podcast. Definitely check it out. And you can find him on Instagram at Andy Naylor, Pure Elite Pro. Andy, just a freaking pleasure having you on. I hope you have a great rest of your your holiday. I don't know if it's a holiday this weekend, but from America, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. And I can't wait till we do this again, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you again. Cheers. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Superhero by Design podcast. Check us out every week. And with that said, enjoy your holiday weekend. And I will talk to you later. Peace out. <laughs>